our second episode. Welcome to our second episode of the podcast we have named. Yes, we officially have a name. You guys already do that because it's labeled. That's how you found us. Um, <laughs> otherwise, you just search disability podcast, which people might do. No judgment. <laughs> but if not, if you found us by name, then you know that our name is... Talk a mile in our shoes. Talk a mile in our shoes. Barney came up with that, <laughs> and I think it's very clever. Thank you, Barney, for the inspiration. Of course, it's a play on walk a mile in our shoes, which or walk a mile in my shoes is the phrase usually, which we both feel is an oddly ableist phrase. <laughs> so it is a ironic thing to use as a name. And we, we love it. <laughs> yes, we do. We leaned into it. So on today's episode, we will be focusing on person first language versus identity first language also known as disability first language. Typically when you see it though, it is referred to as identity first language. Interesting thing about this topic is that we are in two different camps with it. I personally prefer identity first language. And I prefer person first language for myself. So as we go along, you'll better learn what those two things mean. Before we get into that, I just want to say that a lot of the time when you talk about this particular topic, there is a lot of, or really topics of this nature where there's two conflicting viewpoints. There's a lot of preempting or justifying or defending the way you feel about a certain thing. And we don't want to do that this entire episode because that's just going to be a lot of excess chatter that you don't need to hear. Mm -hmm. So just know that we both respect each other's viewpoints, even if we feel differently. Neither of us sees ourselves as right, nor do we see the other person as wrong, but we do feel strongly about the way we feel. So we're going to talk about it from that perspective. We're going to talk about it from the perspective of this is the way I feel, and we're not necessarily going to justify that. But just know that we do respect each other's opinions, and we're not arguing over who is right or wrong. And we respect your opinions as well. Whatever yes. you think and feel is also correct. With that out of the way, let's start this discussion with identity first language. So what identity first language is, is putting your disability first when discussing yourself. I'm a disabled person rather than I'm a person with a disability, or I have dwarfism rather than I'm a person with dwarfism or anything of that nature. And the reason it's called identity first language is because a lot of people feel that it is acknowledging your disability as part of your identity by saying, I have dwarfism rather than I am a person with dwarfism. Dwarfism, it's saying that I am my disability rather than saying I am a person and I have this disability. I guess for my own sake, why I do that is I guess part of it's just because I have a disability that I was born with. So it's always been a part of me, I guess, in a sense. It's also a very visible disability, so it's kind of hard to ignore. Those are the two main things that shaped my feelings on why I feel more strongly towards identity first language rather than person first. Well said. <laughs> <laughs> And another thing that I do feel kind of comes with identity first language is, well, maybe not comes with identity first language, but could be a side effect of identity first language, I guess, is whether or not there is a sense of community that comes along with your disability. Yes. And within dwarfism, there's organizations like uh, Little People America. The LPA puts on a convention once per year that is a national convention. It's held in different places every year. Just thousands of little people come together for this every 
every single year. And so there is a sense of community within yeah. dwarfism. Do you go to that? I, I have in years past. I haven't. Let's see. It's been. Well, I mean, it's been, the whole world stopped well, turning. Almost definitely. <laughs> but even before that, I think it was, I think it's been five or six years since I've been to one. I'm trying to remember for sure. Are they fun? They are fun. Yeah. They're definitely social events. And then there's also usually they bring in a lot of doctors and stuff. So there's oh. also it's very resourceful as well because it's a chance to see a lot of specialists that you might not get to see. Are otherwise. the doctors also little people? Not usually, but they're usually specialists in dwarfism. Mm. Can I comment on that? Sure. That there are several large communities of disabled people, such as the deaf community mm-hmm. or hard of hearing community that frequently use identity first language, as well as people with autism, which I just said incorrectly. So a lot of people <laughs> with autism prefer to be called an autistic person. Mm-hmm. But I read that a lot of their parents and like doctors yes. prefer to say people with autism. Autism, which I think is really mm-hmm. interesting for like one group of people in the culture to want to be referred to one way and then their parents be like, mm-hmm. that makes us uncomfortable. Yeah. <laughs> We're not doing it. In my research in preparing for this episode, probably I would say 80% of the stuff I found talking about identity first language was from the perspective of autistic people. Oh, um, so it was very interesting to find that. And yeah, since you brought it up, I, I find that interesting too, how there is sometimes a divide between like parents and the people with the disability mm-hmm. or the disabled people um, and <laughs> so I find that interesting and I also find it like oh yes this person is on the spectrum and even saying like on the spectrum right. you're removing the word autistic or right. autism you don't even say they're on the autism spectrum you say they're on the spectrum yeah, so, yeah. Uh, it's just very interesting to see that divide definitely I'm a little jealous of disability groups or groups of disabled people who have representation as disabled people. And I know this is going to sound, I don't care. It's how it's going to sound. It's going to sound how it sounds. So like the deaf community, they have a culture and a language and they're this whole group of varied people who are a part of this thing together. And people with seizures do not have a group. There's no like epilepsy cultural awareness. Like Mm -hmm. we don't come together anywhere. I've looked around there are like small organizations individually located or drifting around on the internet but for some reason people who have seizures don't join together to create a like unified front in that Mm -hmm. regard maybe this sounds like a conspiracy but i kind of think that neurologists don't want us to (laughs) (laughs) no i mean i would say there's merit to that (laughs) right because like people are very quick to doctors are particularly swift to not think that what epileptic people have to say is like scientifically valid they're like well my science textbook said this <laughs> and my medical professor said this and it's like okay but if you talk to 10 people with epilepsy they'll say different things i don't want to be like all neurologists are bad <laughs> they're the problem but i definitely feel like the silencing of people with epilepsy from doctors has really affected the community's ability to be a community mm-hmm. but we do have an international day an epilepsy day what is Ooh. it Oh, I have no idea. (laughs) (laughs) Do you have a day? Um, Do little people have a day? Technically, yeah. Technically, we have a month. Uh, You get a whole month? October is Dwarfism Awareness Month. And then there is a particular day in October. I would not be able to tell you which day it is. For some reason, the 16th is sticking out in my head, but I'm not certain on that (laughs) by any means. We'll look Um, it up. 
International Dwarfism Awareness Day is October 25th. The LPA chose this day because it is the birthday of their founder, actor, and LP advocate, Billy Barty. Now back to your regularly scheduled program. <laughs> There's actually a joke in the dwarfism community that I've heard a couple times that it should be February because February is the shortest month of the year. But um, <laughs> oh. Oh, no. <laughs> but no, it's, it is October. I definitely think your feelings are valid. On In fact, that was one of the questions I was going to ask you at one point is if you feel that there is a community with your disability based on what you just said, I would say no. Yeah. Which is a real shame. I haven't always invested myself into the dwarfism community mm-hmm. i have friends who i've met at conferences and stuff but people i don't talk to all that often mostly right. i talk to them at conferences but it is nice to have that community around both for support and for also networking too my parents find it really useful too and recently we've had a parent who we met through the lpa their daughter is experiencing some medical stuff and they reached out to us to ask who we went to for doctors So having that kind of networking and that kind of resource available to you is definitely extremely helpful. That's why I say that your quote unquote conspiracy about (laughs) neurologists not wanting you guys to unify. There could be some validity to that because when you come together as a community, you hear about people who aren't good and you hear about like terrible experiences and you also hear about the people who are good and those names come up a lot. And so it's entirely possible that doctors don't want people to be able to do that not to say that they're purposely (laughs) keeping people from doing it that's probably going too far but it's not great (laughs) from their perspective i did see an epilepsy group once there's a drive-through at a burrito place stripes (laughs) i don't know if you've ever been to stripes i haven't been to stripes but i know what they are (laughs) it kicks ass so right next to the drive-through at stripes there was this like epilepsy organization i guess like a local one and i saw that like during the pandemic or like during lockdown and a little bit after and now they are no longer there and it's an mvd and i was like well i guess i don't get to meet those people (laughs) scattered to the wind once again our local lpa chapter sadly no longer exists because it went to the national level because there just wasn't enough people Uh, to keep it running basically but slight segue when it comes to identity first versus person first languages are there any situations where your opinion on it changes like are are there times where you want to use identity first language? I like to be referred to as a disabled person. You know what? I don't think I've even described what person first language is. So yeah, I'm going to do that right now. I'm just... I, I guess I jumped ahead a little bit, but yes. No, you're perfect. You're absolutely perfect. Okay. So person first language focuses on the condition that a person has rather than saying that's what a person is. So the intention is that a person is seen first as a person and then secondly as a person with some kind of trait like a disability. So instead of saying an epileptic, you would say a person with epilepsy. When I got sick, my dad made it very, very clear. Like he's a very firm man. He was in the Marine Corps. So he (laughs) made it very clear that I was not an epileptic person, but I was a person who had epilepsy. Epilepsy was something that happened to me and I kind of just stuck with that. And I think it has to do a lot with the fact that epileptic is an ugly word. Oh my God, it's so ugly. Epileptic is so ugly. It's harsh. (laughs) It's very harsh. Yes, it's a really hard... (laughs) Epilepsy, that's a beautiful word. Epileptic 
is an ugly word, like a tick. Like, come on. That's not the main reason I prefer to be called a person with epilepsy, but I'm not going to lie to you. It is a part of the consideration. It's impossible for me to say whether I would feel the same way because I'm not in this situation. But no, I could definitely understand that. There's definitely disabilities and disorders in general that just don't sound good. Don't sound good. <laughs> like, yes, yeah. absolutely. Yes. <laughs> and there are definitely like a lot of terms with epilepsy around seizures that I hate. I absolutely hate when people say fits or episodes. She had an episode or she had a fit. Like those words make me feel like the person who's saying them is embarrassed by the fact that I have seizures. They're seizures. That's what they are. Like saying like, oh, hush, hush. It's this other thing. Mm -hmm. That makes me feel like I should be ashamed of the secretive thing that happens to me. I think that it's disrespectful maybe mm -hmm. to use words that kind of diminish the actual. I think it kind of branches back to what we were saying before with people on the autism spectrum saying that like they're on the spectrum and removing that word and it's just like diminishing yeah. it and it's yeah. like invalidating a little bit. Like you said, it kind of creates this idea like that phrase makes me uncomfortable so I'm going to use this one instead. Yes, <laughs> because yeah. Because I just feel much more comfortable with that. <laughs> oh, it's like, uh, a, so yeah. it's like time of the month instead of just yep. saying they're on their period or they're menstruating. It's like, mm, it's that time of the month. Mm -hmm. It's like that, except with a neurological illness. <laughs> yeah, exactly. With something that you need support and not validation. Support <laughs> and I'm not sure what the other word is that I'm looking for, but support with, I guess. There you go. And so um, <laughs> trying to change it for your own comfort, then that's not supportive. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> we got there. We got there. So now that we have the definition, mm -hmm. let's loop back around to that question. Are there any situations where you prefer to use identity first language? It sounded like you had started to say that they're are. Right. So I never want to be called epileptic. I never want that. I think person with epilepsy really works for me, especially because I've just recently been diagnosed with a secondary seizure disorder. So I might actually just be a person who has seizures now. I've been reckoning with that actually for the last couple of weeks, trying to figure out how I feel about not just being one kind of disabled anymore. Mm -hmm. How do you refer to yourself when you're multiple kinds of wrong? <laughs> <laughs> I don't like to be called a person with a disability and I have okay this is happening I'm reading this now okay this is how I feel about being called a person with a disability versus a disabled person okay well first I think I'm I'm being a person with a disability is like being a person with a cat versus being a cat person a person with a cat is someone with a cat in their house a cat person is someone who is defined in some part by their love of cats a person with a disability is a person who has some kind of difficulty or a cat of some form, whereas a disabled person is someone who functions in the world disabledly, or a cat person. I am a member of the disabled community. I'm not just a person with a cat. I'm a cat person. I'm not a person with a disability. I am a disabled person. And I know that not all people with quote unquote disabilities look at it this way, because my mom has diabetes, right? And this affects her. She has to take medicine. It's like a whole thing that she has to deal with every day. But she, I talk to her and she doesn't consider herself disabled. Even mm -hmm. though she has a disability, she doesn't consider herself a disabled person. So I would never call her a disabled person, even if that is a term that fits over her circumstances. But because she personally doesn't think of herself that way, I wouldn't feel comfortable calling her disabled. And I don't know why, I don't know why she feels that way. And it's also none of my business. If that's how she, <laughs> that's how she wants to be referred to, then, then that's how she wants to be referred to. And that's how she feels. It is interesting. That raises an interesting thought for me. It's often discussed this topic 
of there being two camps. There's person first versus identity first. But I feel like there is an unspoken third camp that is kind of in between the two. What made me think of it was your discussion about your mom's situation. So your mom could say, I'm a person with diabetes, I'm diabetic, or I have diabetes. And I feel like I'm diabetic is identity first language, whereas saying I'm a person with diabetes is person first language, but saying I have diabetes is kind of in between the two. Or even like with dwarfism, you could say I'm a dwarf, I'm a person with dwarfism, or I have dwarfism. I bring this up to get your opinion on it because I, I never really thought about that before because saying like I'm a dwarf is definitely saying like that is who I am, my disability is my identifier, whereas saying like I have dwarfism, that's saying like I have this thing, yeah. but I'm not necessarily this thing. Yeah. But it also leaves out the person aspect of it. So it's like you are identifying with it, but it's not saying it is who you are. We can all like be who we are and feel how we feel about it. But when it comes time to communicate with other human beings, we have to use the limited vocabulary our language has allotted to us. And that gets complicated dealing with really big concepts of identity, but only using like however many words we have. How many words are there in the English language? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. That's a question I have never thought of. Why would now you I'm know extremely that? curious. Why would you uh, know that? <laughs> <laughs> now I need to know. It turns out this question is really complicated to answer, but we can very roughly estimate that there are about a million words in the English language. Speaking of lots of words, JD and I used too many while recording this episode and we actually had to break it into two. So tune in next week for the second half of this story. And thanks so much for listening. Tina. Next week, take the stand.